you are if you are able, please stand for the reading of the word. Our scripture reading for this day will come from the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Let us hear God's word. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed from that very hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Han. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I like that young man. His voice was strong. What a difference a Sunday makes, huh? Uh, uh, greetings to those who are online. Um, yes, if you didn't know already, uh, we had no electricity last Sunday. But you know what? Jesus is the light of the world, isn't he? And he made a difference, as he will today, here in our presence. And so... Uh, we give God the praise, honor, and glory. Thank you, Sister Frances. What an illustration of the presence of God that lives in each one of us who have given their lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to say uh, it blesses my heart as I'm aging, as I'm aging. It blesses my heart to see the young people come up here and participate in various aspects of our worship service. Because you know what? We're on our way out, whether you want to accept it or not. And we need replacements, don't we? We need another generation of young people that will come up and be the leaders and proclaim the gospel. Because the gospel is going to be proclaimed until Jesus comes. And so we have to start them young, folks. We have to start them young. And so it blesses my heart to see uh, the young people. Uh, God bless you, Jason, uh, uh, as you had your son standing next to you and leading in prayer. Uh, I, re I recall uh, many years ago in the 1900s, that seemed so far away, uh, Sister Karen, uh, in the 1900s, uh, and I perhaps was in that group, but uh, I was told as I was pastoring that little Mennonite church, 
uh, a number of years later that the bishop of that church stood before a congregation of young people who were no more than four, five, six, seven years of age and gave them a Bible study and said to the group that was there, perhaps there may be the next pastor in this group. I don't know if I was there that particular Sunday when he said that, but it just reminds me once again of the fact that little eyes are watching and they're the ones that will lead us when we, the older generation, cannot lead anymore. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the people of God who are here uh, this morning, Lord. We thank you for electricity. Father, we take so much for granted as your children. Forgive us. Lord, as we delve into your word now, encourage our hearts. Challenge us. Move us to the next level of being in that intimate, personal love relationship with you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well, have you ever nagged someone, yes, nagged someone for something until they gave in? Uh, many years ago, I, I remember nagging my parents for a bike. So they finally gave in and purchased me a red bike with big tires. Now, now, uh, now the big tires are, are something uh, that's uh, uh, used a lot. Uh, mountain, uh, mountain bikes have those large tires. Well, they were kind of out of style when uh, Brother Scott and I were younger. Okay, and, and, and so um, my parents got me the bike with the big tires, but at that same time, they were changing over to thin tires, thin tires, like the, the racers uh, have. And uh, if I had waited just a little while longer, I would have been riding in style. In today's scripture, uh, a woman nagged Jesus for the healing of her demon-possessed daughter. A, a much different scenario, to be sure, than my bike situation, but the results were the same. Like me, she received what she asked for after a period of nagging. You see, the Canaanite woman, who was a Gentile, was referred to as dogs by the Jews. But this is who Jesus came to minister to, the outcast in life, the despised of society, the piranhas of the world, the dogs. So, so let me uh, set, set the story up for you this morning. Jesus was trying to remain hidden according to the account in Mark, chapter 7, verse 24, but the Canaanite woman heard where he was and came to him with her need. Uh, keep in mind now that our, our Lord's response to the woman, as he did, was not to destroy her faith, but to develop it. 
her own reply shows that she was growing in her faith and unwilling to let him go without getting an answer. So, so what are the lessons? What are the lessons we can learn from this story that my dear wife just read to us in Matthew 15, 21 to 28? Well, the first lesson we can learn is to bring your request to Jesus. To bring your request to Jesus. Now, now one would think, that's, well, that's pretty obvious. But unfortunately, it's not. This is a simple yet profound lesson that so many Christ followers need to learn. If only we as Christ followers could learn this one truth, how much better our lives in Christ would be. Certainly not without challenges and problems, but we are overcomers, aren't we, in Christ. Remember the first miracle Jesus performed at a wedding in Cana in the book of John chapter 2? They, they ran out of wine. You remember that, don't you? They ran out of wine at the wedding, and Mark, Jesus' mother, knew exactly who to go to for an answer. She went to her son, Jesus. After she shared her concern with Jesus, with Jesus, she went to the servers at the wedding and said in John chapter 2, verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Mary knew who to bring her concerns to and told others to do the same. You see, Mary did not tell the servers to run to the local Myers or Kroger's and purchase some wine real quick. No, he sent them to Jesus. You, you see, really it goes without saying, Jesus is our provider. If she is important to seek out Jesus with your problems like Mary and the Canaanite woman did. The, the scriptures are clear on bringing our concerns, problems, trials, and joys to Jesus. And here's a side note. Here, here's a side note. It's always good to thank him for his answers to your prayers as well. You know, so often, don't we? I know I'm guilty of it. He answers my prayer. I go about my business until I have another request to ask of him. Too often we forget that gratitude peace, don't we? Like the story of the ten leopards in Luke chapter 17. It was ten leopards, wasn't it? How many came back after all ten was healed? How many came back to thank Jesus? That's right, young man. One. One came back to thank him. Thank you, by the way. You see, the scripture said that a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out in verse 22. She knew who to go to in crisis. Unfortunately, too many times we make Jesus our last stop, don't we? Instead of our first. When all else fails, then we consider Jesus, don't we? when he should be our first stop. One thing I've learned over the years is that you need to get to the person who can make a decision 
or you're wasting your time. For, for instance, if I have a conflict involving a price of an item in a store, I always look for the manager. I always look for the manager because he or she is the one who can change things for me. In the same way, you're wasting your time going to everyone first before you cry out to Jesus for your need. If we only knew how much Jesus wants us to bring him our prayer request, perhaps we would, he would be our first stop. Folks, big or small may be your issue. If it concerns you, it concerns Jesus. Listen, folks, Jesus is our healer. He's our provider, he's our companion, he's our comforter, he's our protector, he's our guide, he's the lover of our soul, he's our sustainer, and that's the short list, folks. That's the short list of who he is to each one of us. So why wouldn't he be the first one you would go to? When you start doing that, it becomes a game changer when you start going to Jesus first. So the first lesson that is taught in this story is to bring your request straight to Jesus. But secondly, the, the, the second lesson that's taught in this scripture, these scriptures we just read, is to be persistent. Be persistent. The Canaanite woman was very persistent, wouldn't you say? It, it, and it bode well for her. In other words, one needs to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. I was persistent with my parents about the red bike. Remember the story in Mark chapter 2, verses 2 through 11. While Jesus was teaching among a crowd, four men brought a paralyzed man to him, but the crowd was too massive to get to Jesus. So what did they do? They didn't turn around and say, what's the use? We can't get to him. No. They persisted in getting the paralyzed man to Jesus by going to the roof and cutting a hole in it and lowering the man down. You know what, folks? When I'm in a crisis and I can't help myself, and I need to get to Jesus. I want four guys like that to be with me. L listen, folks, never give up reaching out to Jesus with any issue, any issue you face, regardless if the situation looks hopeless or not. In fact, Jesus specializes in hopeless situations. The scripture says, all of God's promises are what? Yes and amen in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us. What does that mean? It means claim your promises in the word of God and hold fast to it. Like, for instance, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. So there's no problems too big or too small that Jesus won't deal with if you bring them to him 
and bring him into the picture. You see, the Canaanite woman would not take no for an answer. Folks, this woman's faith was great because she persisted in asking and trusting when everything seemed to be against her. Let's look at what, 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 what things were against this Canaanite woman. First of all, her race. Gentile, she's a Gentile, and Jews, that was like water and oil. They didn't get along together, folks. Jews and Gentiles didn't get along together. Dare I use the word hate in their relationship with one another? Sex, another one. She's a woman. In that time, in those days, in those years, women were subordinate to men. The disciples, who was Jesus' close confidant, they said, hey, Jesus, get this woman out of here. She's bothering us. She's bothering you. And then one may have thought Jesus was against her by his comments. Yes, Jesus made two comments that would have turned away your average, end quote, your average person, your average Christian. The first comment was, Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, verse 24. And he goes on to say, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, in verse 26 of Matthew 15. These facts would cause your average Christian to say, What's the use in trying to go to Jesus? So, so although these comments may seem harsh coming from Jesus, he had a purpose for responding as he did. He was looking for her faith to be displayed. So here comes the Canaanite woman's response. The scripture said, yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In verse 27, here's a woman that was determined, ipsy free, to get an answer from Jesus. She persisted because the answer involved her daughter. The optimum word here is what? Persist. She persisted. Maybe the question for us today that we all need to answer is, how bad do you want the answer to your prayers? How bad do you want the answers to your prayer. Listen, folks, nag Jesus, but maybe, maybe the word nag is not a good theological word to use. And I know the word nagging may not sit well with some people. But here's a fact. In the final analysis, God's will will be done. The point is, never feel like you're bothering Jesus with your request. After all, the scripture says, cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you in 1 Peter 5, 7. In fact, Jesus delights in hearing from his children. Oh, I said something there, didn't I? Let me say that again. God delights 
He delights in hearing from you. He wants to hear from you. He longs to hear from you. Dare, dare I say, does he know your voice? You parents here, you can be in a crowd, can't you? But you know your children's what? Voice. In the midst of a crowd, you know your children's voice. And when they shout, you're like that Doberman pigeon or the German shepherd. Your, your head goes up and you're looking around when they call out mom or dad. Does he know your voice? And your needs are no less important than mine, so cry out to Jesus. Have you ever heard others say, or maybe you said this yourself, Jesus has more important issues to deal with than my little problem. <laughs> Listen, folks, can I put it this way? Whatever concerns you concerns him. Whatever concerns you concerns Jesus. So, so God is looking for those who are persistent in their prayer life. Yes, be persistent in your asking, which is lesson number two. But, but lesson number three is enact your faith. Enact your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Re remember the centurion who displayed great faith in Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. Let me refresh your memory. A centurion had a, a sick servant under his command and brought that concern to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said, I will go and heal him in verse 7 of Matthew 8. Here's what the centurion said. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. What faith? What faith? He, Jesus said, I'll go to him. He said, no, no, you don't need to go to him, Jesus. Just say the word, faith. Yes, faith is powerful. And faith is what Jesus is looking for. So faith equals answers as it, it was for the, the Canaanite woman. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Her daughter was healed from that very hour. Verse 28 of Matthew 15. Jesus saw the woman's faith. And what is faith? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 tells us what faith is. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I will say that this Canaanite woman was certain that Jesus was going to respond to her request. Here's the million-dollar question. Ipsy, can Jesus see your faith? Can, can Jesus see your faith? And, and he makes it real easy, folks. Faith as small as a what? A mustard seed can move mountains, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 17, verses 20, 21. Do, do, do you know how small a mustard seed is? Remember the story of the boy with an evil spirit in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 32. The, the man brought his son to Jesus and said, I believe, but help my 
unbelief, a little faith. He believed, but there was a certain amount of hesitancy. But he believed. A little faith goes a long way with Jesus, is the point. So, so one must enact their faith to see results. And, and let me just say that sometimes God answers our prayers, but we can't accept the answer. Oh, I said something there, didn't I? <laughs> sometimes God answers our prayer, but it's not the way we want him to answer our prayers. But nevertheless, he answers our prayer. Because it was not the answer we desired. Folks, God loves you too much to give you a request that might hurt you in some way. So, so enact your faith is the third lesson that comes out of these uh, scriptures we just read. So what are the next steps? What are the next steps? And those of you who come regularly know that when, when we mention the phrase next steps, you know that we are beginning to wrap up the message. And now you're starting to think about where you're going to eat afterwards. I understand that. But, but can I say something a little different this morning? You must determine, you must determine, you must determine the next steps. You, on a very personal level. I can give you a flowery summary, but what are you going to do with it? For instance, we've talked essentially about prayer this morning. What will you do with the information you heard? And that's an individual question. I can't answer it for you, and certainly you can't answer that for me. When you face any problem in your life, will you bring it to Jesus? First, or, or will you try to figure things out on your own? Uh, will, will you persist in talking to Jesus even when it seems nothing has changed and you feel he's ignoring you? With what little faith you have, you believe God to perform a miracle for you. Folks, huh, the bottom line is the ball is in your court, as they say. And speaking of the ball being in your court, where do you stand this morning as it relates to Jesus? What an excellent, Sister Francis, illustration that God wants to come into your life through the Holy Spirit and dwell with you. That's that intimate, personal love relationship that we so often talk about. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. As I look over this congregation, there's many of you who have already made that choice. And I applaud you. We're all going to, yes, we're all going to be in glory together. But there's still some that's outside the ark that needs to get in. Who come every Sunday to a church, either here or anywhere in America or the world, that's never said yes to Jesus. Why don't you make that choice today before you leave? Why don't you ask Jesus to come into your life? It's so very simple. It's not complicated. 
Acknowledge your sins, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Won't you give your life to Jesus? Or if you need a more formal way, we have it on the screen there. Just read it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you've done that, if you've done that, do me one more favor, and that is... That little connect card that Becca talked about earlier, write on there that you did that. We want to know. We want to journey with you. You see, we're, we're all, uh, we're, we're, we're all uh, foreigners and strangers here, whether you know it or not, when you give your life over to Jesus. And one day we're going to be called home. Did you know you get, you're getting a mansion prepared for you? <laughs> That's what Jesus said. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm coming again. Folks, you may not have that palatial estate here. But one day, hallelujah. And you know those loved ones that went on before us? <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing some folk. <laughs> How about you? And so won't you give your life over to Jesus? Let us know. Let us know if you did that this morning. God bless you.